0: Welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm Josh, and today I'm going to be talking about Emerald Blaze, the fifth book in the Hidden Legacy series by Alona Andrews. So let's serenade the magic of books. Now, this one, again, is our second of three most likely. Well, it's confirmed because if you look ahead at the uh, Ruby Ruby Fever pre-prologue acknowledgements, it says the next one is the last one with uh, Catalina. So I did call it, I know, it's three and three, and hopefully we get another three with Arabella later, but let's just talk about this one. First things, I really enjoyed this book as well. All of these books I've, I've really enjoyed, of course, like I can't lie and say that I haven't loved reading any of them. So I like this one. I love that in each book we get a little bit more about the magic and we get a little bit more about how society and politics and we see something else and we learn something else and you know, last book we learned about deputies and the wardens, and now we're seeing more of that, and we're also seeing, like, kind of, it's very soft, but it's like the creation of her house spells and her house circles, and it's it's very cool, and it's very interesting. But it's like, their house is going to be so different because all three of them have super different magic. But, you know, I've loved it. I think every book is just a little bit better written and better written, and it's a very consistent quality that I, we're hitting, and it's not... I mean, I can't say it. it's the most incredible words, I think the best you've ever seen in the entire world, but it's good and it's evocative and it's very, when you're in the scenes, the emotion is palpable from the characters. You can really feel what they're feeling, the way she describes it, the way they act. It just matches with the characters and with their motivations and their desires. And then it, you just, you can feel it. Yeah, their description, like I said earlier, is just on point. You get a lot of nice descriptions of the settings and of the way people are acting. And I think that is really a huge benefit for this series. I mean, it's just great. Uh, again, these books, they're about, I would have said, I, I think the first couple, at least the first one in each one was about 50-50 uh, plot versus romance. Right. And then the later ones. I think the most of the Nevada ones are fifty fifty plot and romance, but this last one I'd, I'd definitely say is more seventy five percent romance and twenty five percent like urban fantasy magic plot right where the plot's important, but it's not that critical because going in at eighty percent, I was like, um excuse me, I'm at eighty five percent of my book and we haven't like even started resolving the main plot like can we get to that maybe we have obviously, but like <laughs> I'm like, I know that there's one big final confrontation going to happen. Like, can we get to that really quick before, you know, I hit 99% of my book and it ends? Because I really don't want this to be a two-parter, which that would have been cool. If this had been a two-parter, I it would have broken the style of the other books where each one's, you know, one book and self contained one issue. But for the level of this book, I don't think it would have been unwarranted to be like, here's what, this is our thing. And then, bam, now we're going to move to the next thing, right? So I don't think... That would have been bad, but it it would have kind of broken the flow, each book a different issue, and they didn't. And it resolved nicely, and it was well done. Maybe it felt a little rushed, because like I said, this is more of a 75% romance versus a 25% um, urban fantasy, but I didn't find that that was an issue at all. Let's just, we're going right into it now. Spoiler time. You've been warned. This is Emerald Blaze, the fifth book. Yep, fifth book for sure. Okay. So, let's talk about Catalina. Catalina, she is she's just great as always. I love ah, I just love their family and their dynamic and the way they work and the way they act. It's just so like wholesome and nice and great. They they love each other. They care for each other. They give each other a hard time all the time. Like Catalina's the new head of house and she just got over Alessandro and now he's back, but she's like I will work with him and I'm not going to throw a fit and Alessandro's changed a ton because in the first book he was just super cocky and super, I can do anything and I'm going to do anything. And this one he's much more reserved, I want to say, but he's just a little bit different because of what's happened to him in the last, you know, six months, which I was glad that they put a time limit on it because I, I reinforced it because sometimes I'll miss the first time they say that and then I'm like, how long ago was that? Like, I don't know, but this one was fine. So back to their family, right? They. Are just a family they they love each other i loved seeing catalina and nevada make up together and they were like hey i'm so sorry this is what i was doing and this is the only thing i could come up with and i was sick and blah 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 and it just i mean it's not blah 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 in the book but you know what i'm saying so it was just great it felt real like all of their relationships with each other feel real um let just kind of go through them all again we see that uh Penelope, their mom is starting to have a little bit of a thing going with us. Sergeant Hart from the last book. It's all off screen, but that's kind of funny and nice. Like Burn is, is dating uh, Runa, and it was so funny that she thought their relationship was secret, and everybody's like, "What? Like, where's? How did all of you guys know?" And she's like, "They're all like, uh, yeah." They're like, "How? Like, we did so good to keep it secret," and they're all like, "Well, uh, Connor says we're a private investigator firm. Like, they know things." And Nevada's like, yeah, uh, Byrne lied to me, so I knew it was true. And I, I knew the truth. Like you can't lie to a truth seeker and not get called on it. So it was just fun. Uh, Victoria Tremaine, the grandmother. Jeez, you learn. You see, in this book, she's like uh, in the first book, she was a bad character, obviously, but I didn't feel like she was that bad in this one. Where in the previous one to this, the uh, Sapphire Flames that she. How do I say this? She was mean, but like not critically mean, where she was like, you know, she's like, You have to marry into the house. You have to stay in our house. You can't marry out. And I was like, that's a kind of a reasonable thing to ask her, like, reasonable within limits here, you guys, go with me here, because she wants their house to survive because it's her only legacy. And so but just in this book, her meanness is like ramped up a ton. Like, you do this or I will, and she can you know, get out of prison. I was I was just gonna say, I was really afraid at the end of this book. It was going to be a kidnapping of Nevada and Rogan's kid. And that was going to come back. You know, that's going to be the whole next book. So I'm glad that there's a small short story out there. Uh, the Coolant. It's free on the website. You can find it super easy. And it resolves that so it's not a kidnapping that you have to worry about. Because otherwise, yes, that was a, a bad scene to leave it on. <laughs> Great scene on a cliffhanger point of view. Bad for my heart. It kind of a scene, right? So it's fun to see them. I was so glad that Nevada was back in this. And that she, you know, she has a reason for not involving herself in this. Because sometimes with series that they go from, you know, one sibling to the next. just like, well, what's your other sibling doing? Are they just, like, doing nothing except for when you call? Like, that's not who they are. But obviously, they have, she has, they have a really good reason for that. She's pregnant. I love the scene where she's like, oh, by the way, my water broke. Like, when she walks out, like, cancel all your plans, Rogan. We're going to the hospital. And the fact that she gets freaking telekinetic powers... Because her son is such a powerful primate that uh, maternally transfers to her, te- you know, while she's pregnant. Just, like, talk about a side effect of pregnancy. Like, that's crazy. But uh, definitely not a dud, which, you know, he has tons of power if she's getting some of it. So that was funny. You know, And in this one, Linus, the warden of Texas, I really thought he was going to die about- in this book because... He was very absent, but I was like, I don't want him to die. That would be like way too soon, six months in, she becomes the next warden, right? But he was just more absent in this one. He did a little bit at the beginning, then not much, but he wasn't dead. So that was awesome. Okay, let's just talk a little bit in broad strokes about the, pl- the plot. There are four prime houses that are working together to clear the pit. One of them has been killed. Uh, their father, Morton. Uh, The House Moran hires Alessandro to kill the killer. Obviously, he works with Catalina, who has been put in charge by Linus. Well, Linus tells her to take control, and she does. And... To find out who kills it, turns out there is a construct, a biomechanical construct that merges flesh and machine seamlessly, growing in the pit, and it's trying to expand its presence, and it wants Catalina. They figure it out who killed Felix Morton, and then they go into the pit to stop the abyss, is what they kind of named it, or Catalina at least has named it. They are able to stop it, kill it, and capture Cheryl, the construct, the animator who built it, basically, and. She just, I get that she wanted, like, it's explained super well in the books that, like, if you notice, she never, and they explain it to you as well, but, like, she hasn't ever created anything of her own. She's just refined, and so now she's using the Osiris serum that she's got, and she injected it into one of her constructs to superfy it, and it did. Made it magical, made it grow, super scary, and then, you know, it releases it into the pit, and it's just like, here it goes, and it's like... Cheryl, Cheryl, did you not think more than five seconds ahead of time of what would happen? Like, yes, you might get your name on a plaque or like something else, but can you really control that? No, I don't think you can. And by the way, it wants to just grow and kill. Like, it likes killing people. That's clearly what it said when it talked to, you know, talked in a sense to Catalina. Like, mm, yeah, I think you just made some bad decisions there, Cheryl, but it was. It was a good plot, and then I loved the way that they resolve it. They're going in, and first off, let's talk about Alessandro. He is changed so much. He is much more down-to-earth and, like, realistic, and he's still just a good guy. Like, he's a bad guy because he does kill people, right? But, like, he only kills killers. We knew that already, kind of. And so I like him, though. He's still, like, a nice guy, but he has his, at least he's his house magic, which is basically just a magic wipe. He explodes and removes all magic from an area for temporarily like oh my gosh that's so powerful like he is amazing just decimates every all the army that cheryl brings in with her and so amazing and then the abyss is like hey i'm gonna kill everybody for you catalina and i don't i wonder if it did get a touch of her power every time she used her power on the its constructs and it's things it was sending out to attack her because it over repeated exposure, right? So it really wanted her. She's like, no, you're ugly. Like, don't be like this, right? Like, because it's just an amalgamation of flesh and and machine. And she's like, it's like, ah, I hurt. Like, you don't love me. And she's like, no, just like make a body and be cool. And then I'll like you. And totally tricks it. And it's like, that works because like, this will be the first time it's ever been tricked or like lied to because most of the time it's just killing and not really responding to any, trickery stimuli so that part works makes sense and then she's able to stab it with her null blade sword which is a sweet thing her null sword her null void sword i don't know what to call it her sword that linus made for her that creates a null zone when you swing it and you power it with magic like that was pretty impressive and very scary afterwards she's like oh i can't like talk anymore for a minute and then she can and it's all fine but just an amazing scene in general, a final climactic battle. Of course, by this point, Alessandro and Catalina have gotten together and they've had their kind of sexy scene, which again, I prefer more of a fade to black most of the time, but I'm not going to fault the book for having it because it is a romance and an urban fantasy mixed together. So, and I love that we get to see Catalina's black wings. Her If her other wings are wings of love, then these are her wings of hate. More Leon and his gun foo in this book, or his gun magic. He is just a funny character every time, always wants to be killing, but, you know, doesn't actually want to kill and make sure that he doesn't attack or hurt people unnecessarily. And just, I liked the way that they wove the Arcan assassin and his protégés coming in and create, you know, and trying to cause havoc in their life. They don't just go for the flat-out assault because they're protected against that now. They have a better, you know, <laughs> private army basically around them. The whole time and so they go about trickery ways and they try and mistake things and i love that catalina sees alessandra and she's like oh that's not alessandra she's like leon that's not alessandra you can shoot him <laughs> and he does And the illusion mage runs away and is like no please dead that was a pretty fun scene i like that and i liked i liked the difference where we see two two personalities for Alessandro. we have the artisan personality and then we have Alessandro or Alessandro the playboy and there are certain times where she says that Art the artesian said something or the artesian did something versus Alessandro did said something and you can see like the subtle shift and the, the overt shift in his personality because of that so I thought that was also just really well done in this book and of course they do get together and Alessandro is going to probably marry her and take her name because she obviously can't marry out but we do learn near the end of the book, that Alessandro has no money, no life, he's not really a count, he's basically been uh, exiled from his house, or excised, but it's not public, because they're hoping he'll come back and just marry a rich woman to bring the family some more money, and it's really funny, because Rogan's cousin is doing this to break them up, and she's like, hey, she's just a gold digger, she just wants you for your money, but guess what, he don't got no money, and he's dumb, and then does the same thing. They're just like, okay, but uh, we don't really care. We like each other. We already had a big talk. and kind of figured everything out about where we stand. So, like, you telling us this does not really matter to us. Now, the one thing is I really wish they had just killed him right there. I'm sure Alessandra could have made it look like an accident. Because, and then he'd be like, hey, look, he was a prime. And he wasn't a prime before because he's taken the Osiris here and working with Arcan." that's he's going to take down try and take down Rogan again in Nevada so I'm excited to see where Ruby Fever takes us because it just left us off at a really good point and I'm excited to see that so overall I really really enjoyed this book I thought it was a lot of fun I think the characters are amazing the plots are good if taking a lesser stat, but because the romance has mostly been resolved in this book, I'm hoping that Ruby Fever has a very, very good urban fantasy plot. and We'll see what that is in the next book. So that's going to be everything I have to talk about Emerald Blaze today, though. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. You know, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. That helps others to find the podcast and also enjoy hopefully listening to me i do have a patreon at, at patreon.com libromancy if you want to support the show and remember to serenade the magic of books